Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sangai with you as normal. And before we jump into things with our guests, I will run down some show notes if you are looking for some professional wrestling in the next couple of days. Tonight, WCWO at the Owl Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. TAPW in East Haven, Connecticut. Wildfire Championship Wrestling in Jenkins, Kentucky. And Rocky Mountain Pro happening tonight in Denver, Colorado. Tomorrow night. DOA in Portland, Oregon, NGW in Crawfordsville, Indiana, Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana, PWE in Highland, Illinois, Fancy Wrestling in Crown Point, Indiana, DCW in Springfield, Ohio, ECW in Summer, Ohio, PWK in South Bend, Indiana, PAPW back at it in East Haven, Connecticut, Rage in Garysburg, North Carolina, EWA in Frankfort, Kentucky, MSWA in Rockwood, Tennessee, Mega Wrestling in Amstead, West Virginia, and live professional wrestling happening in Oceanside, California. Without further ado, though, I want to bring our guest onto the show today. He is out of the great state of New Mexico, Valak Bile, the Magic Man. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, since it is your first time with us, I will lead you out of the gate with our first timer question. How did you get into the business of professional wrestling? Oh, that goes uh, way back. I'd say maybe nine years ago. Uh, I had a friend of mine. Um, we we're just, you know, watching wrestling like normal. Um, and I just, you know, I kind of said we should train and, get into wrestling. Uh, next thing I know, he found a trainer and we were training. And that's basically how I got into the business. Um, my first gimmick was working with another team uh, where I was kind of like a, more of a manager type role on the outside. It was a team of, um, I guess, uh, trash soldiers or whatever. Like There was a trash king and then a, I was one of the knights for him. And uh, we did that for about three years. And then... Uh, the trash king ended up retiring. So uh, we all kind of retired for about a year. But, yeah, I kind of just wanted to uh, have the chance to wrestle myself. So I came back after a year, uh, started going to wrestling training again, and uh, then I became the magic man. That's where I am today. Going from the trash man gimmick to a magic man gimmick, was it a hard mindset when you first made the switch as far as 
mannerisms and psychology and that type of thing, or was it a, a smooth transition for you? It wasn't really a big transition for me. What it was was more of a, my thing because the other thing I was working off the other guy's thing, I was more of his manager. It wasn't really my thing. Um, so this is actually all me, uh, my first solo character, as, as I would say. Um, I'm actually the wrestler instead of the manager, so it's, it's quite different. As I said, you are out of the New Mexico area, and New Mexico is sort of an interesting state historically for pro wrestling. They never really had a territory of their own, but oftentimes the Paso a wrestling office would swing into New Mexico. Sometimes they would get uh, world-class shows that would do spot shows there. The AWA in later years would go into New Mexico quite a bit. The WWF, of course, in the national expansion would go to Albuquerque pretty regularly, but there wasn't its own specific territory like a lot of places had it. Do you research much on what the history of New Mexico is since it is sort of a different area for pro wrestling? Um, I, would, I wouldn't say I researched into it as much as uh, I've just heard guys in the business talk about it. Uh, like there's uh, some guys that are older than me that'll tell me about how things used to run here and stuff like that. Um, there hasn't really been much of a wrestling scene in uh, New Mexico for a while, but uh, now there's some up-and-coming companies that are coming through here. There's about three that I know of that run in New Mexico, and they're, they're all doing pretty well. And when you reach out to promoters, and when you're looking for new bookings, does it kind of come into play that New Mexico, like you said, isn't really a well-known hotbed for wrestling? Do promoters sort of look at your area and question that before using you, or do you find that it doesn't really come into play? Um, I wouldn't say it really comes into play at all, uh, for me anyway. Out in New Mexico, probably are aware that it does get fairly warm there in New Mexico, being sort of a desert area. Um, there are times when it would get very, very cool there if you're up in the mountains, I imagine. On shows that you do, has the weather played much of a factor as far as being in conditioning or uh, causing shows to have to cancel anything of that nature? Uh, there have been, like, some of the outdoor shows, they, they do get really hot in the ring, especially if the canvas is black. It just uh, turns kind of into a frying pan there. Uh, uh, the one show in particular, I actually, so, so when I come out, I wear kind of like a, a trench coat thing. I usually take it off when I wrestle. For this particular show, I forgot. I ended up wrestling the whole show in the, in the trench coat in the sun. So, yeah, I learned not to do that again. <laughs> As far as just general safety, do you have promoters sort of telling you to limit 
what you do or limit the length of the matches? Do they provide water for the talent and that type of thing? Oh yeah, there's there's always a uh, fresh water in the back and. Uh... Usually we do get time limits. Uh, some companies let us do what we want to do for however long, but that's that's kind of rare. There, there's more of a set structure for those things. Now, being that New Mexico, like you said, isn't traditionally a hotbed of wrestling, do you venture out of your home area very often? Do you go to nearby states or do you get on a plane and go to areas outside of New Mexico to wrestle? Uh, yeah. I've been through a few other of our neighboring states. Uh, with my actual gimmick here, I've, I've only done it in New Mexico so far as a wrestler, but I have been a manager as Valak Vile um, in other states. Uh, there was a few in California, a few in Nevada, um, but yeah, with with my other group before I was Valley Vile, I was I was kind of all over the Southwest. Um, one of the other things that will often come into play, especially if someone hasn't traveled very often, is the elevation of where they are. Like if, for example, someone from Nebraska were to go to Colorado to wrestle, they're going to notice a massive difference as far as the air and being able to breathe properly and that type of thing just because the elevation is so much higher. Do you find that elevation comes into a play a lot of times on shows you do since there are areas of New Mexico that are mountainous? Oh, see, living in New Mexico, I'm kind of used to it. I've seen out-of-town guys come, and they just kind of faint because they're not so used to it yet. Uh, it takes them a little while to get acclimated to the environment. Have you ever been in a match where the opponent wasn't prepared for that and wasn't able to go very long in a match? Uh, I haven't personally been in a match, but I have a bear witness to a match like that. One of the things that a lot of states have, and this goes back to the very beginnings of pro wrestling, and it's still ongoing to this day, is the wrestling commissions. Um, some states do not have any. Some states have very, very strict ones. Some states have ones that are there solely to collect whatever fees are in place, and then just leave everything alone after that. Is New Mexico a place that you have to deal with an athletic commission for wrestling? Uh, yeah, there is actually an athletic commission here. Uh, so we need to get a wrestling license, a blood test, that kind of stuff. Um, so as long as you have that, I mean, they don't bother you. But if you don't, I mean, they, they could potentially shut down your show and uh, take your license away if you're running shows like that. On your just day-to-day, for lack of a better term, uh, situation on your own personal career, 
do you deal much with the commissions? Are they actively going to shows and checking on people, or do they just sit back in office and wait for the check to come? Um, I think I've seen both sides of that, really. Uh, some shows they're really involved, and some shows they're they're just not really there. But, I mean, they're still uh, asking us for our licenses and stuff to perform. We talked earlier about going out of the area, which you said you had. One of the things that has opened up a lot in the last few years for independent wrestlers is international tours. In the last probably five to eight years, a lot of independent wrestlers have been able to tour Japan and Europe, Australia, all kinds of places that, 20 years ago, independent wrestlers just never did. Uh, it was exclusive to the national touring companies if uh, Americans got a chance to go overseas. Do you have any desire or plans at some point to become an international wrestler? I mean, yeah, I would jump on that uh, in a heartbeat. Um I'd love to wrestle Mexico, the UK, anywhere, really. <laughs> Just anywhere they'll have me. Over in the UK, they have, of course, a pretty different style than what American pro wrestling tends to have. It's a lot more map-based, a lot more, I don't want to say amateur-based, but it's more trading of holds than strikes and kicks and that type of thing compared to what we have here in America. Do you train in the British style at all in order to be ready? So if you do go over there, you've got a basic background in it. Um, I've dabbled slightly in it. I'm more of an American style wrestler, so I would have to adjust my style to go out there. But uh, that's definitely something I'm willing to do. I also mentioned Mexico, and of course, most American fans instantaneously think of the Lucha Libre style as very fast-paced, very high-flying, much looser rules. There's that aspect of it. Uh, there's also heavyweights in Mexico and they wrestle more of an American style, but looking at the Lucha Libre as far as how an American sees it, do you train in the Lucha style very often, especially being on a state that is going to be very close to Mexico where you might see some more luchadors? I mean, I have uh, trained in it a little bit um, here and there. I've uh, run into opponents that are from Mexico, so you know you gotta talk to them about how we're gonna do it or whatever. But uh, it's it's not too different uh, from where I'm at. Um, I'm mostly gimmick, so I don't really do a lot of flippy stuff. So uh, I'm kind of just there for a base usually. If there's a opponent that's doing the luchador style. We've noticed 
in the last several years a very large uptick in the amount of all Lucha Libre promotions across the country. It's not just promotions in, say, Texas or Arizona, where you would traditionally think Lucha groups in America would be. Uh, We have them here in the Seattle area and in Oregon. North Carolina has some. There's Lucha groups all over the United States. What do you think it is? about the genre of Lucha Libre that has become popular enough now that we see all Lucha Libre promotions everywhere? I think it just gives wrestling a whole different feel. Um, It's more adrenaline-based stuff, you know, more death-defying stunts, acts. Um, So I think that's what gets people drawn to it. It's just something different. One of the more popular aspects of professional wrestling for the fans is stipulation match. A lot of times promoters will put in a stipulation to increase the interest in either a specific wrestler or a specific feud or sometimes just as a gimmick to lure fans in to see all whatever type of match it is on a show. Do you personally enjoy wrestling in the stipulation matches or do you prefer just doing a straight one-on-one? I guess my preference would be uh, I I do prefer one-on-one. Stipulations are also fun, though. I I do like it when it's just a a match of pure madness with bodies everywhere and Weapons everywhere, stuff like that. What would you say is your favorite stipulation match that you've done so far? Um, my favorite, I, I like it when it, there's like, I, I do enjoy battle royals. Um, I, I did do a battle royal not too long ago that was a pin or submission battle royal. So, I mean, there was mayhem going on all over that place, and that was just lots of fun to be part of. So, I, we got, we were into the audience. We were outside the ring, in the rings, everywhere. It was it was pretty fun. Uh, Tanner Submission Battle Royal, do you see guys doing more moves than you would in a standard battle royal? I know... In a normal battle royal situation, guys are going to be a lot more kick, punch, headbutt type of moveset rather than sunset flips or drop kicks or that type of thing. Does it change when there's pin and submission around? Uh, definitely, because I mean we can we don't have to stay in the ring. We have we can we have everywhere to wrestle, so there's lots of room for everyone to be doing their specific things. Um. The fans really seem to enjoy it, us being up in their faces, and you know, just uh, I know the refs kind of had a problem with it because uh, there was people everywhere. But it overall, it was a great thing, I think. One of the other more exciting aspects for some fans is when blood gets introduced into matches. 
because of what we've learned in the medical science, a lot of people on both sides of the curtain have been leery of having blood involved in wrestling shows. Some people feel there's a time and a place for some blood at a more controlled level. Some people see nothing wrong with having blood in almost every single match that goes to the ring. There's many different opinions out there as far as blood relating to wrestling here in 2023. What's your personal stance on it? Uh, my personal, I would say that blood doesn't really bother me. I, I think it's uh, a nice aspect to add to a match, especially if you're doing uh, some crazy weapon type stuff. Uh, I think blood just adds a whole new level to the excitement. Uh, do you personally find yourself in matches where there's a lot of blood in it on a regular basis, or is it more of a sparing type of thing for you? Uh, for me, I, I mostly roll uh, just the gimmick, so I, I don't really do too crazy of matches. Uh, I am open to it, though. I, I would definitely get involved in some. Of course, in the last several years there's also been deathmatch wrestling that has popped up in a lot of places and it is similar to professional wrestling except that uh, you usually see the higher end weapons involved so you see panes of glass and light tubes and uh, beds of nails and all types of things where fans go to the show specifically to see bloodshed and injuries and that type of thing. Are death matches something you would also consider, or is that taking it too far for your own personal taste? I would definitely consider it. I wouldn't want to do it all the time, maybe just uh, sometimes, like a special occasion. But I'm definitely open to it. Do you personally have a deathmatch wrestler or two or three that you sort of look at and study more than any other ones, or do you not really watch a lot of deathmatch wrestling? Um, I mean, I do. I enjoy watching deathmatch wrestling. Um, one of the main guys who's trained me is a pretty big deathmatch wrestler, so I've, I've seen a lot. Uh, just through traveling with him. Um, so, I mean, I do enjoy to watch it. I enjoy to be part of it. A lot of fans still enjoy the tried and true goes back to the earliest days of pro wrestling steel cage match. I know a lot of companies do not have a steel cage available, so it's hard to book very many cages because if they have to rent the cage and make sure a cage will fit their ring and that type of thing. Do you see a lot of steel cage matches in your area? Uh, you know, it's really rare. I haven't seen one for a while in my area, 
which uh, hopefully that'll change. I hope we we do get more cage matches eventually. <laughs> Now, also, one of the more popular parts of professional wrestling is being able to take merchandise home with you. Uh, the way wrestling works, a lot of times the performers will make more selling merchandise than they will for actually wrestling on the show. Fans love to buy T-shirts and hats and key rings and that type of thing. Do you personally put out a lot of merchandise for the fans to buy? Oh, yeah, I do. I put out a, you know, just a, I sell magic wands. I sell pins. I sell shirts. Just, uh, you know, just the stuff everyone else has, really. <laughs> but I, I do feel like uh, some fans even ask me for it, so that's that's why I put it out there. What would you say has been the strangest thing that you have seen someone trying to sell to the fans on the merchandise table? Strangest. Um, I've actually seen where they'll take, uh, say, like a guitar or a a piece of wood and have everyone sign it that was part of the match and they'll pay big bucks for it. And, you know, it's just like, it's just a broken guitar, but, you know, it means a lot to the fans or something like that, you know? A lot of wrestlers, when they look at their own careers, they start planning for the day when they no longer can physically get in the ring and wrestle. There's a lot of avenues to explore day in the business, whether it is becoming a trainer or becoming a referee or becoming a booker or a promoter or even renting a ring to companies, lots of ways to stay into it. Have you, at this point in your career, given thought to any other roles you might want to explore whenever the time comes that you no longer could put on the boots and wrestle? Um, I have given it some thought, uh, not a lot of thought, but I mean, I think it would be really cool to be a promoter or just a Working from the back, helping the other guys too, that would be great. I'd say I still have a, a few years left, so, you know, I don't really think about it a lot. <laughs> I know a lot of wrestlers, whether they act on it or they don't, at some point in time in the course of their career, they think of running their own show just to be able to have the Experience of it. Some people look at it as something they want to do full time. Some people want to do just maybe one show a year. Some people are satisfied with running just one show in their life. Is running your own show something that is a desire of yours at this point? Uh, at this point, um, I would say that I'd have a lot of fun doing it, but it's not something I'm looking to do right now. You mentioned earlier in the show that you were part of a team when you first started, and tag team wrestling is a different type of 
animal from singles wrestling. There's a different psychology to it, different rules you have to take into account. Uh, your conditioning has to be different, singles versus tag. Do you personally have a preference when it comes to tag teams versus singles? Uh, yeah, definitely I would go with singles. I don't have too much experience with tagging. Um, I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I do enjoy being a singles competitor more. If you had the ability to pull anyone from the history of wrestling, be it someone currently active right this second to someone that has been gone for decades, and you could team with that person, whether it's here in 2023 in Albuquerque or whether it is in Madison Square Garden in 1955, what's that dream tag team partner scenario for you? Hmm. Well, that's a hard one. <laughs> There's a, so many. Um so I'm always just happy to jump in with anyone, really. I don't have a particular person that I would like uh, feel like wrestling with. Um, I guess any of my childhood heroes would be cool to team up with. In New Mexico, I don't know how often it occurs for you, but I know in most places big names will cross through on a semi-regular basis at least, so you're seeing guys that have been on national TV at some point in time or another, whether it was 30 years ago that they were last on TV or their 90-day no-compete just ended a month ago, so they're free to do independent. But wrestling is unique in that people from all levels of it usually can converge and work on the same show. Who are some of the name talents out there that you have crossed paths with so far? Um, let's see. Well, there was Raven. I, I, I was in the back of Raven for a while. Um, there was uh, Lumini, Eric Bischoff, Tommy Dreamer, um, man, there's more, but I just can't think of them right now. <laughs> I mentioned Eric Bischoff. He's going to be a little more unique because he was not really an in-ring performer. He was, of course, mainly an executive, uh, later became an on-air talent as an authority figure, did some broadcasting early in his career. He obviously understands the wrestling business and can spot talent. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been in the position he was in at WCW for so long. But when you have a guy like Eric Bischoff, do you look to him as someone that can give you the same level or the same type of advice as someone that was known primarily as a wrestler for several years where he wrestled at 
the national companies? Do you sort of see them as far as advice giving at the equal level, or is it different? Um, I would say that I would take any advice that man has to give just because he, he worked in creative and he did great things for WCW for a long time. Uh, so I'd be open to anything he'd have to say. One of the other popular aspects in professional wrestling in the last several years has been the rise of women's wrestling. A decade ago, at the national level, women's wrestling was relegated to maybe one segment on a show. You would see one women's match on a given show. Usually the women's matches would be under 10 minutes. And you look at things now, there are all women's promotions like WOW Women of Wrestling. You have seen women's wrestling main event, WrestleMania, in the last few years. Women's matches might go 20 to 30 minutes now and have multiple segments on a given show. What do you think of the rise of women's professional wrestling? I think it's great. I, I think it's great to get to get out there and uh, do their thing and perform at the level that they're performing at back in the day. And then now it's just uh, everyone's game, you know, everyone's on the same level. I think it's great. On your own personal career, do you do very many either mixed tag team matches or intergender matches where you're in the same match as the female competitors? Uh, very rarely, but I have. I know a lot of people are outspoken on both sides of intergender matches as far as if they should take place, uh, if they're relevant to today's wrestling, that type of thing. I know it's uh, much more accepted now than it was a few years ago to have intergender matches on shows because of that rise in women's wrestling. Do you enjoy the chance to do intergender matches when they do come up, or is it something that you'll do it if it's presented, but it's not going to be your first choice? Um, honestly, I don't mind. I, I view them as competitors, and um, I think some of them are just as tough as any of us. And so as long as it's, you know, something that looks like it could work, I, I, I feel that it's great to do. Another aspect of professional wrestling that has seen a surge in popularity in the last few years is that of the midget wrestling. Uh, there was a time when it was pretty much a dead entity. You didn't really see it at all. And now there are at least three national touring groups that are all midget promotions and they seemingly do very, very well on the road as a draw. What do you think of the midget wrestling aspect of our business? I think it's great. I mean, the more the merrier. Uh, you know, uh, if they get to get out there and show their skills, it's it's also just another 
I see it as just another version of wrestling, uh, just uh, like lucha or normal stuff, uh, American, you know. So, I mean, I don't really see a difference in it. Have you ever done a match that featured a midget wrestler? Were you in like a tag team with them or a battle royal or even just wrestled a midget competitor? I have not, but I am fully open to it. I think it would be great. I think it'd probably be a lot of fun for you myself. We've also seen the rise in the last probably 15 years or so of wrestling conventions uh, before probably the start of this century. Wrestling was still closed off entity. Uh, The wrestling community stayed behind the curtain. The fans stayed on the other side of the curtain, but in the last 25 years or so, that has opened up a bit more. So wrestling conventions started becoming very, very popular where fans could meet their favorite wrestlers from the past or the present. A lot of wrestlers make very, very good money just on the convention circuit where they uh, will go whenever there is a wrestling convention and sign autographs and be paid to just hang out with their uh, former co-workers. Do you think that overall the wrestling conventions are good for the business of professional wrestling, or do you think that conventions sometimes take away from the current product? I think they're good. Um, I would say the more me- the more wrestling there is, the better. Uh, so it's just a way for the fans to get connected with the other people they like to watch wrestle. It's just I think it's just a real good thing for everybody all around. Uh, most wrestlers have that very first autograph request stuck in their mind because and once you get into the business and you get recognized by the fans and they want that signature it usually stands out. Do you have that memory of the first time someone came up to you and wanted an autograph? Oh, yeah, I do. I was actually in shock that they even wanted my autograph, to be honest with you. Uh, it's it uh, kind of at the beginning there when I first started coming out and a kid came out and asked me for my autograph. And I was just like, oh, really? You want my autograph? That's pretty cool. So, you know, I gave it to him. It made him happy. It made me happy. I think it was great. Didn't charge him a dime for it? Nah, not at all. I, I gave it to him. <laughs> a wrestling is a very unique entity as far as equipment needed because there's so many levels of wrestling and so many ways to do it that you don't just go to a sporting goods store and say, I need professional wrestling gear, and you're in and out in two minutes like you would for, say, baseball or basketball or tennis. There's a lot of thought that goes into a wrestler's gear, be it the boots, the tights, trunks. Uh, you mentioned your vest earlier. 
there's tape involved. There's a lot that goes into it. Where do you specifically go when you need wrestling gear? Do you have those go-to places that make gear for you? Do you have a store that you go to for like tape and things of that nature? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, tape, I just kind of get it anywhere. I, I, I use, like, pretty much any kind of tape. But uh, for my wrestling gear, I do have people that I know that make their gear, and I get them to make it. I, I just give them my idea, and they always astound me with what they give me. Now, also very unique is wrestling rings are going to vary quite a bit. Um, much like most other sports, the actual surface where you perform can vary a lot. Uh, some rings are rock hard. Some of them are pretty forgiving. Some of them have real ropes. Some of them have cables. Some of them are 20 feet. Some of them 16. So there's quite a bit of difference and actual physical rings. Do you have a specific favorite physical wrestling ring in which you compete? Um, I mean, I do like, I don't think I have a specific favorite. Uh, I like, I like to check the ring before I go out there just to see what I'm going to be expected to take bumps on. Um, I do like real ropes. They, are a lot more comfortable. Uh, steel cables sometimes will whip you a little different, but uh, I really don't mind. Honestly, I'll I'll go do it in any ring. Once in a while, I've been on shows where something has happened to the ring during the course of a match, whether it is a board popping up or the rope breaking or the turnbuckle coming undone, whatever the case may be, there are things that happen to the ring that are very much unexpected. Have you ever been in a situation in a match where there was a malfunction with the ring? Um, not in a match, no. Uh, I've, I've seen the top rope snap before when uh, we were at training and someone was running the ropes, the top rope just snaps and see them fall hopefully they don't fall too hard i mean that there's a potential for them to hurt their neck when they fall over like that so it's always kind of something that i got to keep in the back of my mind you know to be mindful of the ropes in case they do snap and most reputable training schools are going to teach you the most basic grab the rope in case it breaks uh I don't want to call it move, but uh, like groundwork, I guess, for learning how to run the ropes. When you are in a match, are you consciously aware of doing that in order to prevent an injury, or is it just ingrained into you that it's just a natural reaction whenever you're running the ropes? Yeah, I would say it's now at this point it's a natural reaction to uh, kind of hover over the ropes as if I'm going to grab them if I need to. It's just kind of embedded in me now. It's just been I've been doing it for a while. 
uh, because of the nature of professional wrestling, and like we said, things can go wrong, uh, not only with the ring, but uh, moves are going to be mistimed, moves are going to go not the way you expected it. Uh, there's a lot of conditions out there that can lead to injury. It's just the nature of the business, and everybody's going to have that injury at some point, whether it's something minor or it's something more catastrophic. What are some of the injuries that you've had to overcome so far? Uh, thankfully, I haven't been too injured yet. Um, there are days where I get hit a little harder than usual, so it takes me a few more days to get over it, but uh, thankfully I haven't had too many uh, injuries. I haven't had anything too severe. So I've I've been lucky, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes we are on shows and somebody on the show suffers a severe injury, which can be traumatizing to everybody else on the show and sometimes even to the fans watching it. Have you had the misfortune of being there when there was a major injury to someone else on the show? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've seen not too many, honestly. I've been lucky not to have to see too many, but I have seen some, and and not like life-threatening injuries, but I've seen people like dislocate an arm or something, you know, and that's always a little <laughs> off-putting to see, but uh, for the most part, I haven't seen anybody get injured uh, to a bad extent. Hopefully that streak continues. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <clears throat> now, a lot of times wrestlers will be approached by fans because they want to learn how to get into professional wrestling. A generation or two ago, there was a lot more mystique to it, and wrestlers weren't as forthcoming on information on how to get into the business. But it's opened up substantially since the Internet age has happened, and information was more free on where to find training schools and so forth. Do you get approached very often from people that are looking to get into professional wrestling. Yeah, I I do get approached uh, quite often by people. Um, I mean, like, I'll usually give them information on how to get training, but uh, most of the time uh, I never really see them again after that. Now, have you personally ever trained anyone for professional wrestling? No, I have not. A lot of times when wrestlers get to a certain point in their career, they, rather than promoting their own show, will help bring the next crop of wrestlers, whether it's as an official capacity, as like a head teacher, or in an unofficial capacity where they just go and help out where they can. Has training wrestlers ever crossed your mind as something you might want to do at some point? Uh, Maybe far down in the future. Um, 
not not currently right now, but maybe when I can't really do it myself anymore, it'd be something I'd look into. Uh, if you had to recommend to someone looking to get into the business on where to go and how to prepare for that chance once they get there, what is going to be your advice to that person. So you're asking if someone would have asked me how to become a wrestler, what my advice would be? Uh, their, your advice on where to go to train and how to be ready for the training. Oh, I would just say, uh, you know, go to the gym as much as possible, get the cardio up and uh, steer them in the direction uh, they need to go to train. Um, I also would like to know what style they'd like to train in, just so I steer them in the right direction. We talked earlier in the show about international travels, but the United States is a very, very large place, and there is wrestling virtually anywhere that you would want to go. There's also, of course... Besides the 48 contiguous states, Alaska and Hawaii, both of which have wrestling, is there an area within the United States that you've not gone yet that most interests you to go to wrestle? I mean, I'd love to wrestle in Alaska. I think that'd be great. Um, but I w- I'll take anywhere, really. Uh, anywhere new that I haven't been, I'll go just to check it out, you know? I have been to Alaska. It's a very unique place for professional wrestling, and they have a couple of promotions that are doing extraordinarily well up there. So I think Alaska would be a great place for you to go to wrestle. Now, obviously, we talked earlier of the heat being an issue on certain shows because of the conditions in New Mexico. Alaska, on the flip side of that, tends to become very cold for a good portion of the year. They run primarily indoor shows, of course, but still a pretty cold area. Do you think you would adjust well as far as the climate when you go to Alaska? Um, Yeah, hard to say. I I would would hope so, (laughs) you know. uh... Yeah, I guess I just have to say I hope so. <laughs> well, we have a few minutes left in the show today, and I want to make sure that there is ample time for you to say anything you would like to say to the listeners, plug and promote absolutely anything and everything you'd like, upcoming shows, merchandise, social medias, your favorite laundromat, anything you want. floor is all yours. All right. Uh, so first and foremost, any uh, Valak Vile merchandise, I do have a Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash Valak Vile, where I've got a couple of designs up. Um, I also have an upcoming appearance for Dynamic Wrestling Entertainment on June 24th. It's going to be the Summer Festival Volume 2 here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And there will be a press conference for Duke City Championship Wrestling on June 13th. And that will be the announcement of the second show, 
the first show was crazy. The so many fans came. They packed out that building. It was definitely a spectacle to see. So I'm looking forward to the second show on that one. And then later this year, uh, in October, I'll be fighting in Mountain Air for the Monta Wrestling Company. And uh, so that one is also always fun to do. Just I, I like going out to Mountain Air and wrestling. All right, well, Valid Bile, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us here on the show today. We definitely appreciate your time. Best of luck to you as you continue your career, and hopefully we'll get you back here again to do this again sometime. Oh, yeah, I'd love for you to have me. All right, fans, if you have not, definitely jump on the YouTube, look up the Magic Man Valid Bile, great competitor. I think you will be very entertained, so research him. Go buy the T-shirt, support what he does, especially if he's on a show near you. We will be back with you coming up Sunday afternoon. We have the Northwest Pro United States Champion West, and then one week from this very day, we have Leo Connors coming on the show, so make sure you have plans to be with us, and we will talk to you soon. Ladies, don't stop the run because you know. 